On today's Stuck In, I give in to the peer pressure and allow for a preview on the pod, barf, since like 98% of international games were yet to happen in this window at time of recording. Hope you filthy animals enjoy it. A quick shout on UEFA Nations League and the road to Doha. Plus, apparently Mike Ashley is worse than an authoritarian regime that murders journalists for speaking out against them. Didn't know it was that bad, Newcastle supporters. Anyway, we've got more ground to cover than young Sam chasing Joanna through the airport. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Stuck in a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Thursday, October 7th, 2021. Uh, we're in yet another international window. Uh, I don't know about you, Jared, but it feels like it snuck up way too fast. Uh, and I was just getting into a groove back into uh, the domestic competitions, but whatever. Here it is. Uh, and Jared, I'm going to make this exception just this one time. You know that I am not a preview guy, uh, but just because of the time you're recording, we have like one Asia game and a few Africa games in the books uh, to talk about with like pretty much the entire rest of the slate starting tonight or tomorrow morning. So don't really have a choice. So there you have it. Um, but before we get to that, uh, some other quick international stuff not related to World Cup qualifiers. Uh, why don't we kick it off with the first of two UEFA Nations League uh, semifinals. By the way, a tournament that I completely forgot was happening, to be honest. But uh, Italy won Spain two. Spain moving on to the Nations League final. Yeah, it seems like most of Europe also forgot. Like Even on a lot of the other media I follow, it's like people are like, wait, Nations League? Why are these countries not playing World Cup qualifying? Well, yeah, here we are. Um, yeah, so Italy, 37-game unbeaten streak coming in, hosting the game. Uh, you know, we Spain kind of, you know, a lot of their attack injured. Uh, you know, obviously Murata's been out for a while, a couple other guys as well. And you just kind of assume that, you know, Italy's going to win this game and, and Spain comes out. And honestly, I, I really do have to say from, you know, and I watched a good deal of this match, this – this is the best I've seen Spain look in a, in a while. Mm. And I, I'm not going to say it's, you know, the classic, you know, Xavi and Iniesta kind of level, but they're, you know, they're passing through midfield, uh, their attack, their, you know, the amount of danger they created. I mean, they could have easily scored more than two goals, you know, maybe even four or five. And so it was actually really pleasant to watch uh, Spain because it's, it's just not a, it's a Spain that we got used to for those, you know, those years between 2008 and 2012. And it just it was a kind of a, a little flashback to a Spain that that was that good. And I think if you if you're a Spanish fan, if you're you know if you like that 
that kind of style, then I think that this has got to be pretty encouraging moving forward. Well, yeah, and to your point, I mean, I, I, I think everyone and their mother was probably picking Italy to win this. You mentioned the home field advantage, the, the winning streak, and obviously on the back of, of being European champions. And, uh, and yes, yeah, Spain sort of uh, not at, at full strength. Um, so for them to get a result in this, obviously great. Although uh, you play that game 10 times, uh, who knows what the results would be the other nine? Uh, because maybe in some alternate universe in those other worlds, uh, Leonardo Bonucci isn't a fucking idiot uh, and Italy are able to play with, you know, 11 men for the entire game. Well, also, you could also say that maybe in, uh, in the other worlds that Bonucci can be an idiot with the elbow and get a yellow card, but he has not been card. You know, I, I think the yellow card is the first one is really what we have to talk about here because yeah. he gets a yellow card for protesting call at the official. But, you know, he is the captain. Right. And he is allowed to go to the ref and talk. And, and like these guys do it all the time. Right. They demonstrably get in the ref's face and they do that. And the ref like literally like immediately pulled out a yellow. And I thought that was a little aggressive for the captain of a team. I think that he should be a, a, afforded a little bit more of a yeah, But Jared, unless, you have no idea what, what did he right. say? Right. What did he right. say? But I mean, right. but to point, I, but if he, I guess I would, I would, my counter to that would be if he said something that produced a card that quickly, then you have to imagine he said something bad enough that he could have been red carded for that. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just don't know what the in-between is of what he could have said. Well, right. So in that case, then, you know, if, if he did say like, you know, fuck your mother, that, oh, Jared, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I just got like a, a, a minute of silence. And then like, I heard fuck your mother in my ears. <laughs> so uh, are we here? Are we good? Yeah, I'm good. It was just, out no, no. Yeah. I got a fucking my phone ring. I forgot to turn on do not disturb. Oh, okay. Yep. No worries. All right. Uh, again, the, the traveling supporters getting to see how the sausage yes. gets made if I leave it in. Um, so, uh, yeah, what was I going to say? I just, oh, yeah, so, right. So, yeah, he, so he's the captain. Sure. And if he goes to the referee and says something so bad straight away, I agree with you. Maybe it could have been read. But, but then again, wouldn't you say like, okay, I'm glad the ref like had some discretion there and only gave him the yellow because then do you really want to ruin the game just because he says like, fuck your mother or something like I that? Mean, straight yeah, away? I, I guess. But at the same point, like I, I tend to be more on the side of like, don't give the early, if it's the, if it's the, uh, the 50, 50 call on a challenge, like yellow or red, I tend to lean more towards yellow, but when it comes to any kind of, you know, verbal abuse, I actually tend to be more on the side of fucking send these guys off straight away until they actually learn to like, you know, show a modicum of respect towards officials. Uh, maybe yeah. that's just, I don't know. It, it's weird. I, I guess it could go either way, but as you said, the, your, the bigger point is though, the second foul, um, is there's there's no excuse for that one i mean that's just so, like, no, so dumb. it's so needless they're and, not and we'll get to that in a sec yeah we'll get to that in a second jared but i just do want to say about the the first yellow just to close the loop there is that if look if you're going to give if you're the referee and you're going to give him that yellow like i feel like then you need to give like marco verratti a yellow as well i mean the guy's like basically showing pda to the referee like for pretty much the entire game i mean this guy is so handsy with the referee, like he's, you know, did he take him out to dinner afterwards? Do they go on a date? It's, it's like, all right, if you're going to give Benucci the yell for that, I feel like, seriously, I mean, like, isn't it a yellow card to, uh, to like touch a referee or to, you know, do those types of things, right? So I feel like it, there's a little bit of inconsistency there. Yeah, I mean, the, well, the inherent problem is on a lot of these calls, right? If the ref really wanted to follow the letter of the law, right? You, they would, it would be machine gun yellows, right? These guys would all come up to protest the call. They'd all get right. in your face. They'd all touch your arm or your back or whatever. And you'd literally, like, I think, didn't they do this in Spain? Like, they did it for, like, like it was, like, one of those, like, beginning of season, like, things, right? The point of emphasis about, like, 
going like surrounding the ref and doing the card motion, all that stuff. And the rest right, were, like right. a month just started going like card, 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 card. Everyone goes, you, you, you can't do that. Like that's insane. Like you yeah. just booked like nine guys or whatever. So, I mean, I get it. It, it I don't think there's an obviously there's no easy answer to any of this, right? There's but again, don't don't put the don't put yourself in that position. Like just I don't know. But yeah, as you said, well, and, an idiot. yeah, and and to that point, it's like it's like what we've said before. Like these referees have these initiatives, and they're told to follow through on them, and they do it for the first like month or two, and then it just like goes to the wayside, etc. But yeah, we we could probably talk on that for hours. Uh, but yeah, let, let's go to the second yellow. Which, which, by the way, I'm I'm really glad actually that the referee did call this. Like, you know, you could probably go back and forth on this. I can see both sides of it or whatever. But Jared, just like on a personal level, as a fan, as a coach, like I'm just so fucking tired of these idiots who go up leading with the elbow and then act like demonstrably puzzled, like as if it's a genuine mind fuck as to why the referee's calling them for a foul and sometimes even booking them. Like this, this to me, this is one of those pandemics. It's like diving. It's like the, this, that, and the other thing that I just, all those things that I hate about the game. Like, dude, if you lead with the elbow, if you lead with the elbow in that, in that, you don't need to lead with the elbow. You know what you're doing. Like you're, you're, you're aim, either aiming to hurt or aiming to like put him off in a way that could hurt him. And I think that needs to be removed from the game. It's it like, look, I, it, and I understand that sometimes there's a height thing that goes on and, and things, but like, it's, it seems to me that it is, it is fairly easy that even if it requires your arms to kind of jump higher and center, it seems easy enough to me not to elbow somebody in the side of the head. And maybe I'm not a, I'm not a professional player. And maybe if you're in that level, it needs to be that way, or you need to jump with everything. But it, it, like, it, it seems like I see enough guys do it without elbowing a guy in the side of the head. And when yes. you do that, you get, you put, again, you put yourself in position where if you connect flush, which he more or less did here, right? If mean, you glance the guy, fine, whatever, it's a foul, no way. But when you catch a guy flush, I, I, I believe that these guys are have the body, the requisite body control not to do that. So for me, I agree with you. It's easy enough. Like, yeah, it's a yellow card for me, and you've already got yourself booked, so there's no need to do it. You're 40 yards from net. You're not, it's not a, it's not an imminent threat to goal. Like, you, it just, it's, it's needless. So dumb. So dumb. Yes. And, and to your point, like, yes, professional athletes can go up for a header without flapping their arms like a fucking chicken. I, I just, I'm so tired of it. I don't want to hear anything about getting more height or this or protecting yourself or this, that, or the other thing. You can go up for a header without putting your elbows out. And by the way, Jared, he sized him up too. I mean, if you look at the replay, he looks where he is, then puts his head back up to go up for the header. He does it deliberately. I mean, in another world, that could have been a straight red card. You might argue that, you know, in that world too or whatever. But the bottom line, I'm totally fine with this, the yellow card here. I'm totally fine with trying to get rid of this shit in the game. And right, yeah, he puts his team out. And of course, you know, the, the, the genuine looks of despair and disgust and puzzlement. How could this possibly have happened to me? Like, no, yeah, you, you fucked your team on that one. So, uh, yeah, so they go down a man, Jared. Then what happens? Yeah, I mean, I guess okay, a couple of nice goals from Spain. They control the game. They're able to possess. They're kind of doing that, again, that classic Spain stuff. They give up a really silly goal late that should have truly never happened. I mean, it's embarrassing. You concede up a man off of your own corner kick within 10 seconds because you don't defend properly. So yeah. you get back in the game a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, uh, again, it's, I think it's a big result for Spain, right? Because they got to the semis of the Euros, but there was no result there within that really made you go, hey, like they're back, right? The, the Switzerland game, they go to penalties. They were possibly outplayed. 
Uh, even in the group stage, right, they were very underwhelming except for that one game against, like, Slovakia where they scored, like, five goals or whatever, right? They didn't – they couldn't beat Sweden, et cetera, right. et cetera. And, of course, they – you know, and they, and they arguably outplayed Italy in the semi, but, of course, they didn't get the results. So, even though, obviously, they took – this isn't, you know, the revenge game where this makes up for the Euros, but I think it's an important game for their for – their, their process right as a as, as to, to kind of recover to to regrow and i think that getting a result like that on the road against a team that hasn't lost in years and and to play again pretty good fo- i mean the second goal in particular was just i mean like one touch beautiful like passing great cross in and again it's just it's what you want to see if you like spain and again i think that for me as a as an you know as a independent european soccer you know viewer like I like when Spain's good more than I like it when Italy's good, or more than I like it when England's good. Right, just style, right. stylistically speaking, right? So I, yeah. I, it was it was really cool. It was a fun game to watch, and as I said, as a third party, I really enjoyed watching it. And, and I hope that Spain can can keep this up with some of their you know their young guys. Uh, you know, even though Busquets is still kind of lounging around there, this you know Gabi who's like seventeen, uh, who apparently can't even get a game for Barcelona, which seems a little bizarre. Dude looks right. great. Dude looks yeah. like a fantastic young talent. And it's like, you just look at it, you go, well, shouldn't he be starting for Barcelona like tomorrow? Because obviously what they're doing isn't working. And here you have the next guy, right? This is the next dude. So, uh, you know, that is the name to keep an eye on. Yeah. Except they paid, you know, nine figures for Frankie de Young. Uh, so you got to start him, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, real quick. So uh, that second goal, by the way, Jared, chef's kiss. I mean, just Great. like straight, straight up Spain uh, goal. And I just loved when the camera flashed to Mancini on the sideline and he just like put his jacket on. And, like my first thought was like the SpongeBob meme. He was just like, fuck this. I'm going to head out. <laughs> just like put his jacket on and get the fuck out of Dodge. Um, but and, and yeah, speaking of halftime, as they go into halftime after that, uh, what's what's with this like exchanging jerseys at halftime, man? You can't wait until the end of the game. I'm so fucking tired. Well, I think if you do it at halftime, then you can do it with two people, and that's the uh, the key here. Um, yeah, yeah like, like, honestly, like to me, this is like, and I know it's started to happen in American sports, right? It's happened in NFL and NBA games now. Uh, like, I just uh, like I understand the you know old soccer man, like the '70s soccer, like Scottish guy doesn't like. I, I just I don't care. Like whatever, like do you? Like, okay. And, so and, are you and, saying I'm like, I'm the old, I'm the old codger on the, on the, you know, get off my lawn on the front porch and, and, and I'm like the purest baseball fan. That's like, God damn, these yeah, kids I think, swinging at three old pitches. I think to a, to a certain extent. Yes. And, and like, to me, there's like, there's levels, right? When, when the team, when the French team is fucking, their kids are coming on the field after the game to take like selfies with like, like to me, that's like, all right, we're, we're, we're moving a little bit beyond because again, in theory, you guys are supposed to be on the, in the same world, right? You are a professional. He's a professional, but like, I don't, I, the Jersey thing, like what if, if fucking Neymar or whoever and name a guy, it doesn't matter who, I don't know why I'm picking on him, but you know, if, if fucking Sergio Busquets wants a 900 Jersey collection of all these guys he's played against, like, cool, like whatever. So, and if you're Spain and Italy and maybe you only get to play once or twice and you say, Hey, look, you know, I'm a, like Verratti and I like known each other for 10 years and you know, Chiesa, like I've become friends with Chiesa and I want both their shirts and there's only one, like whatever. I don't mm, shit. Like, I got like, you. I got like, you. I don't, like, it just to me, it's like, and, and you know what, by the way, this is not the World Cup. This is not the year. It's a fucking friendly. It's a glorified friendly, right? Let's not pretend. Like, look, I like watching Nations League. I think it's an interesting concept, but let's not make more of it than it is. It's a glorified friendly. So if you want to fucking change jerseys at halftime, a glorified friendly, like, I just, I can't be bothered to care about that. Fair play, Jerry. It's a great argument. You are melting this old man's cold, cold heart. Um, Anything I can can do to help. (laughs) I appreciate you, buddy. All right. Um, And, of course, we're recording this before the second semifinal, uh, France and Belgium. 
uh, in the other one, Jared, anything to say on this in the interest of previews, which again, I'm making a one-time exception for. I won't say too much about it just because again, by the time anyone's listening to this, the game might either be happening or be over, but uh, in a weird way, you, you wonder if this, you know, we talked about, I think after the Euros, did Belgium have one more shot left at a you know, World Cup or is their window closing? And it, it is possible that this is their last chance at winning anything. And so I think that the, uh, I think that the combination of, of kind of wanting to see a lot of those guys win something combined with the any chance I have to see a little French implosion. Uh, leads me to kind of want Belgium to win, but mm. it's a neutral site game. I, I, I don't fucking know. I, I, is what, which version of France is going to show up? Obviously, the big guns are there, and, and you'd probably peg them to win from a talent perspective, but you would have pegged Italy, Italy too, and that didn't happen. So maybe Belgium uh, gets a win, and I think a Belgium-Spain final is probably inherently more interesting and exciting to watch. So I'm going to kind of root for that, but I don't really have a, a much to say tactically or how they're going to play because, again, glorified front way and all. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I can't wait for this afternoon to watch. Uh, my butthole is quivering with excitement to see a French implosion, hopefully, uh, and also on the Belgian side to see if they're going to field their one combined 100-year-old back line, their back so three it, it, It'll be absolutely amazing uh, if uh, Alderweireld and uh, Vertonghen and okay. just call Ver- just there. yeah go call Vermeil and just do the whole thing like just yeah, ignore, just do it ignore ignore the fact that you have guys like Boyata and everything that are like young and up and coming guys who could really use the experience just fucking run it run it back again <laughs> dude it's amazing it's amazing okay so we'll uh, we'll stay tuned for that that'll wrap up Nations League uh, and then our second and last. Uh, topic here in the interest uh, of that international window. Uh, I guess we kind of like have to talk about it and I hope you're happy, Nelson. Uh, But yes, Portugal, your world champions of futsal, futsal world champions, Portugal, uh, which was played in like Lithuania, uh, which is really interesting. I was checking out the Wikipedia page earlier, uh, some fun little tidbits in there. Um, Although, you know, of of course I have to take my dig at Portugal here. Uh, They were not very dominant. Um, You know, I feel like there's almost a a bit of an asterisk, a a little bit of a a taint here on uh, their win. Uh, Yeah, they won their group, although not very convincingly. Uh, They ended the group play, you know, group stage with a draw against Morocco. Uh, And then they needed extra time to win both their round of 16 and quarterfinal knockout stage game. uh, And then just eking by in penalties uh, in the semifinal against Kazakhstan. Yes, Jared, you heard that right. Kazakhstan uh, just seems like a pretty easy road to me. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of put an asterisk on that uh, World Cup futsal title for Portugal. So I would say in the interest of, of my own uh, curiosity or, you know, humor, I, I, I know this was happening. Did not follow it, did not watch any of it. I did not research anything for this thing. But what I do know, because I saw it when it happened, is that in this tournament, the United States actually made the Futsal World Cup, which is a, if not the first time, is certainly a rarity, but we finished dead fucking last <laughs> in the tournament and with, on goal difference. And that we and that goal difference, I believe the team that was second to last, at least according <gasps> to the tweet I read, was the Solomon Islands. And so U.S. Futsal, worse than the Solomon Islands. And that's all I have to say about the uh, Futsal World Cup. Oh, my that's God. What, I, I yeah, Jared, I completely glossed over that. Okay, yeah, Solomon like, Islands, negative 18 and I think we were uh, like negative twenty two or something like. I mean, it was bad. Like I know we we like. I think we played like. I seem to remember us playing like maybe like an Argentina or one of like, one of those good South American teams and losing like eleven nothing or or something like. There was a bad result. And again, this is all off the top of my thought on Twitter like two weeks ago. But yeah, was no, I was something it was that bad for us. I've, I've got the page up. Uh, Angola finished last in their group with a negative ten goal differential. 
Uh, yeah, dude, Jared, U.S. last place in Group F, negative 20 goal differential. Argentina, Iran, and Serbia finished ahead of us. And yes, there was uh, an 11-0 loss to Argentina. Uh, Brand, oh my God, Jared, four goals in the first five minutes. Brandy, first minute. What? Brandy, second minute. Cusolino, fourth minute. Resia, fifth minute. <laughs> Well, what 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 if our best athletes played futsal? I think is the uh, should be the yeah. talking point on ESPN. Yeah, dude. If if LeBron was in goal, like you yeah, know, no, win every game, obviously. All right. Well, <laughs> we're gonna uh, leave it at that. Um, yeah, no interview per usual on Thursday uh, during this international window. So we're gonna go straight to the segments. Um, yeah, just a couple of segments here today. Obviously, in the interest of that international window, the road to Doha. <laughs> um, and yeah, as we said, most stuff starting. Uh, either tonight or tomorrow. Um, we'll do a little preview of that uh, towards the end of the segment. Uh, but there were a few games uh, played already. Let's start in Africa, Jared. Uh, Morocco, five, Guinea-Bissau, nil. And there's one stat here that stands out uh, mostly to you, I believe. Yeah. No, I mean, the first thing, look, the only thing I really looked at is because I remember we talked about it last month that, that uh, Ziyech had a, had a little situation and got sent home. So I just looked at the team sheet. was like, do I see Ziyech anywhere? Nope. All right, so I guess he's still kind of hanging on the outside. Obviously, against Guinea-Bissau, it doesn't matter. And, and I think as we, we probably referenced earlier, Morocco's group is actually not the, uh, not the most challenging you're going to see anywhere. Um, I believe like, they like Sudan in their group, and I think they have Guinea as well as Guinea-Bissau. So they don't need them. Uh, again, scoring you know, with ease. Uh, Hakimi gets a goal is probably the, the name you would hear. And Munir, obviously, is probably another name that you know. Other than that, it's just – it's comfortable. Uh, you know, uh, they are um, comfortably winning the group. They're already two points up with a game in hand. They're going to probably make it to the next round, no problem. And, and uh, you know, and, and Sudan gets a 1-1 draw against Guinea, which I guess is a decent enough result for Sudan. Again, they're kind of the, the minnows of this group, as it were. So, I guess they got a point and, and good on them. Jared, real quick on the ZH thing. It's like, I don't know, this this – just as I get older and older and get more and more perspective, it just, it just fucking blows my mind. Uh, just the, thinking about how much talent this guy has and how much he's putting like his ego before everything else. And like, just think about how many people in the world would absolutely kill to have his talent. Like how many Moroccans themselves were like, man, I, what I would, I would sell my soul to the devil to play for the national team. And this guy has got it. I mean, and, and not even just for the Moroccan national team, an incredible player at the top level of the club game, et cetera, et cetera. And to just like have that mentality, I don't know. It just like, it, it's more and more tragic. It's more and more upsetting to me. Uh, I, I don't know why this one particularly like sets me off about it, but like, dude, fucking hell, man. I don't know. Well, to answer your first question, how many Moroccans would wish they had his talent? Uh, based on the 2020 estimate, I would say about 37,112,078. Because it's about him and Hakimi are like the only two, right? Even on the on yeah, plane yeah. of existence. So, yeah, I mean, anyone that's not those two guys probably wakes up and goes, man, if I had his talent, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm of two minds on this one as well. Like, I, like to me, like, the idea of play for, to play for a national team, your national team, a sport you love, is like the greatest thing ever, right? Like to, to, yeah. for me, like to play for the U.S. national team would be like beyond anything I could even put in the world. Oh my god! That said, obviously everyone doesn't feel that way, and yeah. some people have legit reasons, and some people don't. And I don't, per, to, per, you know, pretend to know exactly what his his internal thought process is, except he accepted a call up last month, so he couldn't have hated it that much. And, and then to get sent home or to think he's bigger than the team, I, I tend to agree. There's probably some ego involved in this particular case, but 
you know, you got to say like, you know, just to use a quick US example, like Darlington Nagby decided, you know what, I'd rather fucking go home to and see my family during an international break and not go to Honduras and not go to El Salvador and not do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, if that's somebody's mentality and they would rather do that than play for the national team, it's like, all right, fair enough. Like, you know, your life, like your decision, you're not really, I mean, you're hurting the national team maybe in a, in a theoretical sense, but you're not screwing anyone over. You're not yelling at anybody. So, I mean, I guess in that sense, like I get it, but yeah, I mean, to me, it seems, it seems a waste, I guess, but yeah, look, that's, I guess that's his cross to bear, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with James, right? Like we want to watch him play and we want him to see him be good and we want to see the talent on display, but you know, if he wants to really go down that road, I guess it's like, all right, like have at it. But, you know, at least you let your teammates know ahead of time this time. So they didn't have to watch you get kicked out of practice and, and all that shit. And so, you know, and it seems, as I said, if they're going to go win despite him, then good enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I just, look, I just, I, 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 I should, have, I just hope he doesn't come out like next October and go, oh, I'm ready. Like, like right. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and to your point about, like, Darlington nag me, like, I, dude, I'm 100% in support of that. Like, if you want to make that personal choice, and, and also, by the way, I'm not trying to get into a debate about this, but but I, I guess to me, it's just, it, it, I just thought of it with this particular example. Like, it just feels like a waste yeah, to no, me. It, like, just a waste of talent, and, and it just, it really rubs me the wrong way. But anyways, um, yeah, anything else in Africa, Jared? No, I was actually, you know, I was looking over the fixtures, and it, it's kind of a disappointing little window here. Uh, I, I, I don't know that Africa does this intentionally per se, but it seems like, you know, like it's a lot of the, the biggest teams in the group facing like the weakest teams in the group in like a head to like a home and home situation. Uh, they're kind of doing reverse fixtures for match day three and four. So there's really not anything on the, on the dock at this window. That's a particularly uh, a sexy matchup, but I will, other than to say that, you know, if, again, if the big teams handle their business and do what they're supposed to do, then I would say probably in, in next Thursday's uh, episode of the show, we will have a, a, a great many uh, teardrops on my guitar, uh, where we uh, uh, would yes. say goodbye to a, a great many teams that are going to probably be eliminated during this window. Yes, sir. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Um, yeah, moving on uh, to Asia. Uh, we did have one game played this morning, Korea 2, Syria 1. Yeah, late uh, Sun winner, uh, as I guess as here you would expect him to, to be able to pull off. Mm. Uh, this ma- these matches being played in Qatar still uh, due to, I guess, suppose COVID restrictions and such. So empty stadiums, uh, kind of a very, um, obviously, you know, not World Cup qualifier level, you know, atmosphere or whatever, uh, some drama in the game. I want to give a little credit to Syria, right? This is a country that, again, uh, is not a powerhouse, right? They're They're on paper, probably one of the worst teams to be Mm. kind of in this situation. Um, And, you know, they've played at Iran, uh, actually at Iran, though, in an empty stadium. And now they've played their away fixture at Korea, despite it being a neutral venue. And they've lost by one goal each time. And this is a team that usually you'd see lose uh, by a great number of, you know, a lot more goals. And so they've, they've been competitive, which is good for them. Again, other than that, not too much to say about this particular window. And, and by the uh, again, way, Jared, yeah. uh, in, uh, on that Syria point, right, and this is on the back of their last qualifying campaign, which was just like an incredible run, right, playing literally every game away from home and then actually almost getting in through the playoff, right? Yeah, and again, it's the same idea, right? They, they don't have home games. They, this is still a thing, right? I think yeah. they, their first home game, right, in September was played in Jordan. Uh, again, we talked about these matches being played in Qatar. I, uh, I think their next home game will also be in Jordan as well. I guess that's just where they play. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree they got pretty far. I know they were in the last Asian Cup. And again, like, they weren't great, but they were 
they weren't they were better than what you would expect a team in that situation to be. Mm. And I think you I think that I think you hit the nail on the head with they're just in a situation where again there's the civil war constantly going on. They can't play at home. Uh, they are you know what, ranked 80th, 90th in the world. So again, you're not expected to have any any decent results, but they are mm. they're they're doing more than you could expect. And I think as you said it right, they, I mean they played to try and get to 2018 and they did not qualify. They played 20 qualifying matches and they won nine of them. Like that's an insane number of matches to play. Um, as I said, again, they, they were competitive. I mean, they didn't get out of the group in, in, in the Asian cup, but they were competitive. They were, they were there and they fought hard. And so, uh, they, I think their last game was like a three-two loss to Australia. So I mean, they're competitive. And again, to your point, for for a country in so much disrepair and so much, you know, uh, bigger than a soccer situation for them to actually be able to to play on the road and, and do this is is, is a yeah. wonder. Falling only to a, a Sun winner, which uh, many clubs yeah. and countries have have yeah. succumbed to. No, uh, and and by the way, Jared, speaking of Sun, are we still within that two-year window, like where he would not have been available had? Korea not like won like a U23 tournament randomly like the Asia games or something uh yeah like, I have I have no idea I, I can never keep track because it seems like every tournament with South Korea there's like a oh yeah they won they're out of military service so I don't know uh yeah but I I don't I, I think it is like it's not, I think it was 2019 like before the pandemic hit so like this is a two-year window where they might not have had how does that even work? Like, I just, I'm really curious. I need to see this happen. I don't know. Uh, I don't really yeah, need to see I, it happen, I, but like, I, I don't know. They uh, should just like invent tournaments, you know, that they like win and call it, you know, call it even. Oh, you're yeah. good. You're good. The, the South Korean cup against like the Maldives and Sri Lanka. Is that essentially yeah. what we're going with here? It, that's what I'm saying. All right. Anyways. Um, yeah. Anything else in Asia, Jared? Um, I'll say the big game that is going to be played again, like today, as we sit here, it might be, you know, again, depending on your viewing or listening habits, it may have already happened. It might be happening. Uh, but just the one that you probably want to keep an eye on is Japan is at Saudi Arabia. Again, there's a true road game here. Uh, that is the best tie of, of this particular of today, I should say, uh, in this round of games. And again, I think that these are two teams that probably both should qualify. But again, Japan lost that freak game at home to Oman on the first day. So even though this is a road game, and even though the Saudis are one of the better teams in the group, Japan kind of needs to make up that result, right? They need to kind of get three points back that they that they lost. And, and this would be their first opportunity to do it against a team that is, again, uh, currently tied for first in the group. So that would probably be the uh, the sexiest matchup of the day. And other than that, you know, again, still early days. They still have, what, eight, eight? Group, uh, games left in the group so mm. no no eliminations coming anytime soon here this is going to go until next into march so it's early days still in asia all righty uh we will leave asia right there um and yes uh, again begrudgingly uh, we'll do a couple of previews here um we'll start it off with conmable jared a uh, bunch of good fixtures tonight actually you know, it, there's look, everything's a good fixture in Commonwealth, right? There aren't really bad yes, fixtures, sure. but I but it is kind of disappointing when you look at the fixture list for a day of games and you actually find like one like like real like like that big game and it's Colombia Uruguay, right? In Montevideo. Uh, that's really the, the glamour tie here. You have Argentina at Paraguay, Brazil at Venezuela, Chile at Peru, Bolivia at Ecuador. So again, everything's good, right? And again, we've talked about the level of play and the and the reckless abandon with whichever one goes on the uh oh. Right, runs around and everything else. But again, if you're only picking one game tonight, it's got to be that Colombia Uruguay game. And again, this is a jumbled mess of the table, right? Uh, Uruguay currently in third, Colombia currently in that playoff position. So either way, right, it's a massive result. But again, if Brazil can win, if Argentina can win, and even if Ecuador, again, who's been who's been very good and, and currently in fourth place, can win, you might start seeing a little bit of separation here. Uh, again, Ecuador. Uh, 
the hosting Bolivia, which again is the easiest fixture one can have, right? Bolivia is the weakest team in there at right. home. So again, if, if the teams that are in the top four or five spots can all get wins, we might actually see a little bit of separation. It would really put those, you know, again, like your Chili's and your Peru's who are on the outside looking in, it would really put them on the back burner. So even though there's not a sexy slate of games tonight, I would say it's a very, very important one. Well, yeah, speaking of Peru and Chile, that, that's the game I'm keeping my eye on because Paraguay in sixth place with 11 points playing Argentina going to probably get zero from that. And if Peru can beat Chile, uh, you know, and this is a hat tip to, to our boy Roberto, my Peruvian guest, uh, I think that puts them back in the mix, uh, you know, potentially for that playoff spot, maybe even top four. And dude, if Chile are on seven yeah. points after 10 matches, I mean, dude, you, you just have to say uh, it's not looking good for them. I mean, to use the wrestling parlance, right? This is a loser leaves town match. If, if this game ends in a in a result, a win and a loss, the team that loses this game is, I would say, is cooked. And if they yeah, draw, yeah. you could also argue that both of them are are really in bad shape. So especially True. if Colombia somehow upsets or you know gets the result against Uruguay, right? Because that would mean that they would be good six seven points out, you know, with traffic in the way. And and so uh, yeah, I mean, this, I, I I think you're you've probably talked me into it where when it talks about the importance of the game, right, Peru, Chile might be a bigger deal. But, of course, purely aesthetically, aesthetically you would say Columbia, Uruguay. But, again, this is a, it's an important night, even though after this there's still eight games to go. Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to leave Comma Bowl right there. Uh, let's move on to – I don't know. What do you think, Jared? Oh, let's go, uh, let's go CONCACAF. How about that? Let's, let's dive right into it. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll save the U.S. probably for last. But I, other than that, you would say Mexico, Canada, again, is the, is the premier tie in Mexico City. Uh, and again, we've talked a lot about Canada, right, this generation, and are they going to make good and, and everything else. And then the Gold Cup, they've been, they've been decent, right? Not great, but decent mm. enough. Um, but the, the, so the real question is going to be here is that what can Canada do in Mexico City? Uh, this is their chance to show – and if they can get a result, because Mexico, again, has not been great. They got results, but they were not great in that first window. So if Canada can even get a draw or, or anything like that, then you're really looking at it. A, the, the, them putting the stamp down is we're the third team, right? If we want to say Mexico and the U.S. are the top two, we're the third one. Costa Rica has right. been struggling, et cetera, et cetera. So this is that great chance for them. Uh, Panama at El Salvador. Panama had probably the most surprisingly good window of the first round, sitting on five points uh, as well. Um, tied with the U S and Canada. They're at El Salvador. Again, a winnable game for them. And if they want to be it again, if they want to fight with Canada, if they want to even fight with maybe the U S or Mexico, if we slip a little bit, um, this is a, a big result for them to get. We also have Costa Rica at Honduras. And again, Costa Rica was probably the most disappointing team of the first round. Uh, and so again, it's a road game. It's a tough road game. And they're both on two points. Uh, they're both three points out of fourth place. So again, it, it, they, they're both going to need a result there as early as it is, which leads us again, finally to Jamaica at the U S in Austin. And mm. uh, as I, I mentioned to you the other day off offline, uh, it seems to me that despite the fact that Jamaica was in last place in the first round of, after the first round and only had one draw to their name, even though they really need the points, uh, we're kind of possibly getting the sense that they are looking at a home game against Canada and a road get, game against Honduras, and they are possibly not putting their best foot forward tonight. There's a long list of players that they've said are not playing, including Mikel Antonio, uh, I believe including Leon Bailey as well. And, yeah. it, and it might just be a case where they're just saying, hey, look, we need six points out of Canada or maybe at least four points out of Canada and Honduras, maybe if not six, and maybe we're just not getting points at the U.S. Uh, yeah, you use the word possibly. I think <laughs> it's like 100% incontrovertibly true. I mean, the, the list is like seven or eight players. Yeah, two key ones that you named right there. But, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're mailing this one in. And, I mean, the U.S., 
at home in a great soccer, uh, crazy city uh, against the worst team in the group without their players. Uh, I, I mean, this is as close to like an automatic three points as you can get, right? It's gonna I don't want to jinx it. I, no, I don't want to jinx it, but, but, but it, like but it, you just it has you to have be. to. <laughs> yeah. It absolutely has to be, right? If the U.S. does not win this game tonight, and I'm not saying this from, as you said, I'm not saying this from a place of arrogance. I'm saying if they do not win, then there is a, there's a major fucking problem. And we've gone back and forth on how problematic this situation is right now. But, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and again, the U.S. isn't healthy, right? Pulisic, not there. Reyna, not there. Brooks, not there. So, you're, again, you're still relying on young guys. Uh, you, you're you're going to rely on a center back tonight that is either way is, is not experienced in World Cup qualifying because I would assume Miles Robinson is going to start. Who starts next to him? Is it, uh, you know, is it Chris Richards, who has never played a World Cup qualifier? Is it Mark McKenzie, who has never played a World Cup qualifier? Is it Walker Zimmer, Zimmerman, who I'm fairly confident has not played a World Cup qualifier? So either way, you're going to have a new center back in there. Uh, you know, your outside backs will have a little bit more experience than that. Uh, the question is, is Musa, who's finally in camp, is he going to get run if that would be his first World Cup qualifier? So even though we talked about that first window being a time to blood everybody, right, to kind of get our feet wet, there's still possibility that four or five starters tonight are not going to have much more than a game or two of World Cup qualifying experience. So hopefully the moment's not too big. Um, you know, hopefully we get to see Pepe up top again. I think most U.S. fans probably want to see that. I think it makes the most sense. I think you start Pepe tonight. I think you probably start Zardis in Panama uh, just in terms of kind of load management and, and the road atmosphere. Uh, you know, obviously relying on Adams to hold it down. And, and, um, and you know, with, and I guess the big question, which we haven't said is, how does Weston McKinney fit in here? Uh, what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, for for me again, it's it's like you, you give the guy a second chance, and like it, it appears that he has repented. It appears that you know Greg has held his feet to the fire and obviously imposed those logical consequences on him. Uh, but but like I, I mean, for crying out loud, like th- this is the real world, and 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 the, the, we're, we're men here, and uh, uh, there's a lot at stake, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we can put that stuff behind us and say, okay, that was that. This is now get him back in into the setup. Now, if he fucks up again in one way, oh, it's got it's got to be over. It's like then, for a while. Then, then it's over for a while. But like this, yes, this is your second chance, and now go out there and and prove it. And yes, I think he deserves that opportunity to get back into the starting lineup. I'm right there with him. I would love to see uh, Musa uh, with, with McKinney and, and Tyler Adams. That oh, would just oh, be, be an, a dream, a dream, dude, absolute dream. And then throw uh, a little Aronson and Way up there. Oh, this lineup, like if this lineup could just be like just so sexy tonight for, for our purposes. Absolutely, man. And you said Pepe is your nine for this game. I, I would, I would do it at home, right? If you get, he got on the road, yeah. had a big result. And I think when you go to Panama, I think you're going to want like that Zardis. Guy. And I'm like, I understand Pepe did it at Honduras. So I'm not saying he can't, but I think if yeah. you're going to kind of rotate a little bit, I'd rather Zardis play on the road and Pepe play at home. Uh, the only other note I will say, before I ask you one last question about this mm. is by the way, the U S is the youngest national team in the world for this window. All confederations of every team that called in a national team for World Cup qualifiers, right? So European teams, Asian really? teams, African teams, whatever. The U.S. is the youngest national team in the world. Uh, and, and, like, I mean, if you just, again, if you look at the roster, it's, you know, and, it's, and like, I don't even know what that would look like if you took the goalies out. But, I mean, just so many guys under the age of 24, 23, et cetera, et cetera. Seven defenders under the age of 24. Um five uh, midfielders under the age of 23 and four attackers under the age of 21. And so again, super young. Uh, so that, that's a big thing. And the last question I will ask you, 
uh, because I think it's probably one of the big questions we've also had in this window. Which, is, by the way, Jared, I do love it. The, the youth men play the kids. Play right. the fucking kids. I love here, it. That, that I, is a I, great stat. But yeah. here's, here is the million-dollar question for the entire window, though. And that is, uh, if you are Greg Berhalter and you are the manager of the U.S. and you are still need at least probably you know six to seven points in this window to keep the feet, your feet off the flame, who is your goalie for these – Three matches. Is it one player? Is it a rotation? What are you doing in net? Because I think this is where the, I, I think where his toughest decision may be, even though I think we're probably okay either way. Okay. Great question. Uh, I'm guessing he's called, I actually haven't looked at the it's list. Stephen, it's Stefan or Turner. Stephen, is the, Turner. Yeah. Okay. And Sean Johnson, okay. who is the, you know, the, obviously the, the, the veteran or whatever, but who's, who are you starting Stefan or Turner? Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely, I'd be comfortable with Stefan against Jamaica. Um, and, but, but to be honest, like, who do I trust more, like in a difficult away game at like Panama or whatever, I, I think I'd probably go Matt Turner right now. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a good question. I think you go either way. And so I, I think that's kind of a, the lineup decision among all that I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for tonight, because I think that's going to say a lot about where we are going in the, um, you know, in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I look, I still think Stefan is, is probably number one, like in theory, the problem is just between the injuries and the COVID and being the number two at city and barely playing, you know, a, a couple of minutes here and there. Um, in, 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 certainly. Yeah. In practice, he's just, he probably is the number two U S keeper again, in theory, philosophically, I just, uh, and as a, a Maryland guy, by the way, uh, as a Turk, he a Turk, uh, you know, I, I have him as number one, but, but like for practical purposes, I'm probably going with Turner, man. If we, if we need a result, he, he's just, yeah, like you said, he's informed. Well, we shall see tonight. We shall, we shall. And right. So Conmebol and CONCACAF starts tonight. Uh, and we'll wrap up with the uh, one group that starts actually tomorrow. Uh, and that would be UEFA. We mentioned a couple European results. Of course, those were nation leagues or nations league uh, games. So yeah, uh, UEFA qualifying starting tomorrow, Jared, uh, anything real quick on your radar? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I'm not necessarily looking at particular matches. I think as, you know, to the point about previewing, we could spend an hour just going over what could be happening in this window. But again, mm -hmm. these are these are groups that have, you know, three, four games left, right? And so, again, uh, kind of what I said about uh, Africa is going to be the case here. I think by the end of next week, obviously, we're going to have a epic, like, shit ton of teams that have been eliminated, right? Because there's only been, like, maybe four or five teams that have been eliminated so far. Even some of your, you know, your Andorras are technically still alive for the World Cup. That is not going to be the case a week from now. But again, we, you know, we've talked at length about all these groups. We look at like the Croatia-Russia kind of group right there where they're tied for the lead. Talk about the Netherlands and Norway tied for a group lead. Uh, mm. Scotland, Israel, and Austria all fighting for second behind Denmark in a group. So, I mean, you could go through every group and be like, hey, here's the interesting thing to look at. But, you know, and, and again, for the, time, for the purposes of time, I think it's easier just to kind of look back in the middle of it. And as we keep going, what's kind of happened. But uh, there's a lot going on. And, and again, these are this is when it's, it's really getting close. Um, and again, um, None of these teams have qualified directly yet. There's been no team that has qualified in Europe yet. It could happen this window. Probably will happen this window. So, you know, even again, if you're Denmark, right, you're still playing, you know, I don't even know. Like, I think they're playing at Moldova, like, tomorrow or, or Saturday. Like, if you win, you probably clinch a World Cup spot or you get really fucking close. So, is that game, like, sexy? No, of course not. But it's important? Damn straight. So, uh, you know, I think it's just one of those things where instead of micromanaging, we just kind of look at the, especially the first round of, of games and then kind of reassess. All right. Fair play. And, yeah, as you said, uh, we're going to set our sights on next week's episodes, Monday, Thursday, where we will have plenty of teardrops on my guitar. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Uh, and by the way, we'll have to workshop uh, when teams do qualify, what, what that 
uh, might be called. But um, anyways, yeah, that is your uh, your preview. Um, that's your wrap up of the road to Doha. Um, and to be honest, I feel like uh, Billy Mack in Love Actually right now, just kind of like begrudgingly and disgustedly doing a Christmas song just because the people want it. Uh, and that's that's going to be my last shout for how much I begrudgingly did that preview there, Jared. That's a one off. That's a one off, folks. All right. Um, and let's go to the uh, own goal of the day as your gracious host, Jared, as always, I will allow you to go first. Yeah, I, I'm just going to kind of throw back in there the, the the apparent Saudi Newcastle takeover, I guess, today is back on because they settled the lawsuits with BN and blah, 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 and legalese. And again, now we're back to the idea of a genocidal government taking over my favorite football club, uh, which is not ideal. Apparently, even Amnesty International has gotten involved and like is begging the Premier League like not to let it happen because it's like they're human rights abusers. And so, yeah, any day where uh, a, a team you love is, uh, you know, going to be taken over by uh, serial killers and genocidists and human rights abusers, uh, it's not a good day. But I don't know, maybe when they sign a striker for 60 million pounds, I will feel differently. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I highly doubt that, Jared. I feel no, like it's so moral, bad. It's so, your, your moral compass is too strong. It's so bad. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, it's so miserable. Like, I just, why? Like yeah. can't they, like what can't we just get a fucking rich oil like Russian billionaire like Chelsea who's like also a bad dude but like not as bad a dude is it that bad like is it that hard like Elon Musk can't he do it I know like when when you would prefer like Abramovich over yeah like I just what, what yeah, you're like, about to get like that's when you know it's really bad. like just like a mafia guy like even that like a fine like whoever <laughs> fucking runs like the Sicilian mafia like I'm cool with that can we not just be a little government who does it like it's and, uh, yeah, uh, we yeah. talked about this before. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But for me, like that, just it literally. I saw it yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing this shit again." And you know, I already have people fucking sending me text messages. Uh, I think my brother-in-law like sent me a text message with like Alan Saint Maximum holding like the Champions League trophy on a camel, and I was like, "God damn it, like, <laughs> dude, that's great." Yeah, no, I, oh, I, that I was fucking. Br- it was brilliant, but I was just like, "This is like, you know, it's like, it's like, this is we're doing this shit again. Like, this is what you know." Unreal, man. Yeah, the uh, the how we feel about being Arsenal and Newcastle supporters today. Uh, yeah, once the deal in. is completed, that that's going to be yeah, it's going to be a good one. Just so All great. right. Yeah. Uh, my own goal of the day is um, a story out of the Brazilian second division. Uh, Brazilian footballer William Ribeiro um, was basically arrested on the spot and then subsequently sacked um, after attacking the referee. Um, I mean, he like literally kung fu kicked him in the head. And once he knocked the referee to the ground, he wound up and kicked him in the head again a second time. Uh, I mean, the dude was like literally defenseless. Uh, I don't know if he was unconscious or not, like already from the first kick or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like actual assault in, in the Brazilian second division. And we've heard so many stories like this out of not just like the, these lower league, like Brazilian games, but, you know, in, in a lot of these South American, like lower divisions, men, I mean, just oh, like some of this guns on the field. Gun. There's like, yeah, it's like she refs getting shot and shit or refs shooting player. Like it's fucking ridiculous. Dude, I remember, do you remember the one like years ago? It was, it was a while ago um, where, where like they li- someone literally took a machete and cut the referee's head off, like just yeah, decapitated him. Well, and the best part is like, you see some of these stories like this one, it'll be like, oh, this guy like kicked a guy in the head or literally this dude like shoved a firecracker up his opponent's ass and lit it. And they're like, yeah, he's banned for like six months. And they're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, so yeah exactly. doesn't say what they do here, but like, you'll see this shit that legitimately like prison worthy shit. And, like, they're like, yeah, he's banned for, like, six months. And then we'll, like, reassess. And you're like, uh, okay, I guess if that's the way you want to roll with it. 
but yeah, yeah obviously he's he's gonna get like he's gonna get like phase one of like Concacaf like it's gonna be they're gonna they're gonna protocol. stop the game they're gonna stop the next game for three minutes and then they're gonna restart it yeah. with no punishment <laughs> exactly. no but obviously it's uh, all serious it's obviously it's fucking brutal and then like I like. I, I there's you know you don't want to say anything about it because you, you can get into stereotypes and everything else but like and again I don't think it's a stereotype anyone should say but when you have to see some like soccer announcer in Britain like apologize for using the term Latin temper this is the play that that guy is talking about and again it's not the stereotype but I'm saying like this, like like honestly like this shit seems to only happen in South America and I don't mm-hmm. know why I don't know if it's cultural I don't know if it's like just like the game is just viewed differently I I can't I I, I don't know enough to answer. So I, I am speaking right, from a relative, right. Smith, but like, like you, like this shit does not happen in other places, and I really want to know why. Like just, I, just from a pure human interest perspective, I'm really curious as to why these guys in the middle of the soccer game go, "Yeah, I'm just literally gonna like just pump this dude in the head." Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jared, and I and I hear what you're saying, and obviously, you know, you're walking a very very thin it, line. That, yeah, I understand. And, and I agree with you, but but I'm I, I agree to a certain extent. And we haven't heard stories like this out of lower divisions, out of like, you know, Europe or Asia or whatever. Although, you know, is absence of, of evidence, evidence of absence. I don't know. Uh, but but yes, like we, we continue to hear stories about this type of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's totally horrific and unacceptable in the game. Uh, but yeah, he'll probably get a slap on the wrist. Who knows? Um, all right. Well, anyways, Jared, uh, you've been so gracious with your time, man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and wrap it up right here in your stoppage time. Winners, um, yeah, this is actually a, a little bit of, of light um, in an abyss of darkness here. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe some light at the end of the tunnel as well. Uh, but yeah, obviously we mentioned um, a story in the last pod about everything that's going on uh, in the NWSL and women's soccer. Uh, and yes, yeah, since that time, uh, over the last, you know, like 72 hours or so, um, everything that's happened in response uh, to that story has been uh, pretty positive, I, I would say, in one way or the other. Uh, speaking of the Washington spirit, oh, excuse me, uh, the CEO, Steve Baldwin, has indeed resigned. Um, both Portland teams, uh, not just the women's team, the Thorns, uh, but also the men's team, uh, the Timbers, their supporters groups have said they will not purchase any concessions or team merchandise uh, in the next couple of games and only support the players in protest of, uh, I forget if it's their CEO or their president or whatever, uh, who, who also knew about um, a lot of this stuff, uh, but didn't do anything. Yeah, I will um, say that, that's, that would be Gavin Wilkinson because I think these fucking okay. people should have their names said out loud. I think he's the GM or president, but yeah. I, just, I, yeah. I do feel it's important to say, hey, this is the specific asshole who is responsible, partially responsible for this mess. Yes, and I'm very glad that you did that, Jared. <laughs> uh, and, and I wasn't like omitting it to like protect right, him, obviously. I, 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 just, I just forgot uh, and, and I've already X'd out of the tab and I didn't want to <laughs> have the, the listeners hanging on uh, waiting for me to pull that back up. Uh, but anyways, um, and then yeah, the last thing is uh and then right obviously they they uh, uh canceled the games from last week now they've resumed them uh and then in the gotham fc and washington spirit game of course uh, in the sixth minute in a sign of solidarity all players they just they just stopped you know they just yeah. stopped the game uh and went over and uh embraced each other in arms facing the crowd uh and got a nice you know one minute uh, standing ovation um and that, that was obviously just a heartwarming um, and positive response, I thought, to the, the whole situation. Still a lot of work to do, Jared. So obviously, yeah, no. th- th- there are deep, deep roots 
um, and systemic issues here. Uh, but I think the response uh, to all of that stuff in this in these initial phases will be my stoppage time winner. Right. Yeah, and there's an old Chinese proverb, right? Even the longest of journeys has to begin with a single step. This is mm-hmm. this is going to take years, as we talked about the other day. But again, every every positive step that we can take forward is a step closer to getting in the, to where we all want to be. And again, we. We love the women's game, uh, both of us. I know that. And again, it, like, and again, on a human level, it's 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 so gross. And so, any positive news is is always going to be a stoppage time winner. I think for both of us, I I can say safely. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and as your host, I'm going to go ahead and give myself a double dip, a nice little bonus winner, also in uh, the women's game. Did you see this, Jared? On on that note about women's soccer, uh, a female center referee is going to officiate the England and Oregon. Excellent. Always good. Yeah. Yeah, did you see that? You know, did you see that Howard Webb and Bibiana Stenhouse are like married, like power ref couple of like all time? No way, really. Are they? So, so we we talk about like all the the power athletes from all the all the like athletic power. They're gonna create the greatest ref ever. (laughs) The guy's gonna be fucking calling World Cup finals at twelve. Dude, that's amazing. I hope they have three kids and they're just like the most amazing. Or well, four, I guess, because we have four. Yeah. But just like the the most powerful like refereeing crew of all time, and yeah, you just get them for every World Cup final, every UEFA. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, yours. <laughs> My stoppage time winner is going to be a uh, Sean Davis, who is uh, the captain and a midfielder for the New York Red Bulls. Now, uh, this is this is an amazing thing, right? We talk about uh, the schedule that soccer players have been put under, right? Sean Davis has played every minute of the season for the Red Bulls so far this year. Uh, every minute of every game has not been subbed out once he has played every match, every mm. minute, et cetera, et cetera. And again, he's a, he's a defensive midfielder, but again, he's running a lot every game. The Red Bulls played matches. Okay. On September 11th, September 14th, September 17th, September 22nd, September 25th, September 29th and October 2nd. They played mm. midweek every week for three straight weeks, seven matches in 22 or 23 days. I think it was 22 days. He played Every minute. And in that time, the Red Bulls won three matches, drew three matches, and only lost one on the road to Columbus. So three, three, and one in those seven matches with one dude, the captain playing every fucking minute of that time period, 180 minutes a week, no complaints, no subbing off. And like, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable feat, right? And, and yeah. when we talk about leadership, when you talk about a guy who's willing to say like, hey, look, you know, not only say, do as I say, but do as I do. Mm. Uh, I mean, that, it, it's an incredible number. Uh, I only, I literally don't even know how is like how we've actually managed to do it. Um, and by the way, MLS does have off for the international break, but the Red Bulls don't because they had a game postponed due to weather uh, earlier this year. So they are actually playing on Saturday as well. So they don't, he doesn't even get the two weeks off that most of MLS gets. A week off at least, right? We finally got a week off for the Red Bulls. First time they haven't played midweek in weeks, but. I mean, just when you talk about a, like the pros pro, right? The guy who's never, you know, he's not, he doesn't, he's not a scorer. He's a defensive guy. He's a mm. gritty midfielder. And just to, to put that many miles on your fucking legs and to not, not only survive, but to not even have a noticeable dip in form uh, is an incredible feat of athletic ability. So he gets my stop at Shem winner. No, I love it, Jared. And just after uh, hearing you read off the, that list of fixtures right there, like I'm exhausted just listening to <laughs> like that. I, mean, I can't again, imagine how you could play in all those games. I mean, he's like, the, I guess, an American Pedri almost. Yeah, I like guess an, an American, as a Red Bulls fan, it's fucking hard to like, it's exhausting to watch. Like, oh my God, they play again. Like, oh my, and, and, you yeah. know, I, have tickets, I have tickets to the Red Bulls. Like, oh wait, they have another fucking home game on a Wednesday. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, so, I mean, it's been, it's been hot and heavy, uh, you know, and again, and, and he's survived it all. So good on him. Yeah, good on him. Great stoppage time winner. Uh, and what is 
And in what is becoming a quickly a tradition of this podcast, you probably heard my dog bark at me uh, just a few seconds ago. Uh, once again, yelling at me, it's time to go for the walk. So I'm going to go ahead and yep. end the podcast right there. Again, Jared, you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you. Uh, and to the traveling supporters, uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys. No marketing, no social media. So if you were mildly entertained, please tell a friend and spread the love. Godspeed. Bye con Dios. And cheers, y'all. Bye-bye. I feel it in my fingers. In my fingers. I feel it in my toes. I feel it in my toes. Yeah. Love is all around. Oh, fuck. Wank bugger shitting ass head and hole. Start again.